Please pray with me one more time. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we come to look and reflect on your word and, and what you have to say to us, that you would help us to do that well, that you would help us to focus on you and put our hope in you, and that we would yeah, just be your people and hear your word. Lord, we pray that you would loosen my tongue and help me to speak your truth. In Christ's name, amen. So this has been an interesting week. A few months ago, in prayer, I planned out what the message series would be from the summer to Christmas. Uh, This summer, we were going to be looking at a series called Simplify, Getting Off the Hamster Wheel of Life. And on paper, it looked great. I was excited about the six messages and how we were going to work them in through this summer. And this week, I sat down to write this week's message. It was going to be on the Sabbath write this week's message, and I just didn't have peace about it. It wasn't that the ideas weren't biblical. It wasn't that the theme wasn't relevant or applicable to our lives. But still, the Holy Spirit was telling me not to prepare that message. And so I had a choice. I could put my head down and start typing, fighting the Holy Spirit's promptings, because I had a plan in place. Or I could stop and pray and ask God what in the world he wanted to do. And so I stopped and I said to God, Lord, I don't want to speak my own thing. You need to lead me in this. What's going on? What are you wanting me to say? Why are you wanting me to say it? What's happening here? I thought we had a deal. And God, in his goodness, love, and faithfulness to us, answered my prayer and put the following into my heart. I haven't thrown that whole series out yet, but the Lord may bring it in a different time. I do believe it was from him, but maybe just not for this time. But for the next number of weeks, next six weeks, we're going to be looking at refocusing. We're going to be looking at what does it mean to be the church and how do we be the church And we're going to be doing some visioning together in that. Because Chalmers is at an exciting place in its history. Over the last number of years, we have seen significant growth in our congregation, both numerically and spiritually. Just as a show of hands, how many of you were not at this church, say, five years ago? And a bunch of people aren't here. So about half of the congregation that comes regularly to Chalmers was not here five years ago. That is an incredible amount of growth. And we are so glad for the new personalities and backgrounds and flavors that each of those of you who put up your hand bring to this congregation. We're also so thankful for those who didn't put up their hand because You are the ones who have led this church for the last 20, 30, 40, I won't keep counting, years for there to be a Christ-centered church for those 50 people to come to and be part of. And so thank you for that as well. Not only numerically are we growing, but also spiritually, and that's so much more exciting. God has been doing amazing things in the lives of people here, both new and old. And I've had the privilege of walking with many of you as God has taken hold of your life in fresh and new ways as you've surrendered yourself to him, as we were singing this morning. 
And so there's a lot of exciting times happening, a lot of excitement happening. We are growing. There's energy. There are lots of kids, lots of spiritual health. And it's an exciting time. But it's also this time of growth that the devil would want us to become focused on the wrong things. That he would want us to become complacent, inward-centered, content. And those are pretty easy temptations to fall into. And so today I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those temptations that the devil would want us as a church family to fall into. Because things are good here. And it's a lot easier to fall in these, into these types of temptations when life is good. And we need to be extra diligent in times like these. That we would fight against those temptations and move forward in Jesus together. What might the devil be tempting us with? And maybe some of these are ones that you can, can feel that, yeah, you know what? I've started to feel that temptation in my life or in the church. And, and the best way to fight temptation is, first of all, to recognize it and then to come against it with the word of God. So first in temptation that the devil might be sending us is a consumer mentality. All we need to do is start seeing the church as a dispenser of spiritual goods. The church is here for me and my family to serve my social, emotional, and spiritual needs. The church should take the responsibility that I have as a parent to be the spiritual leader of my family. Instead, the church should be the one to raise my children up to know Jesus. The church is to satisfy my musical preferences, my religious traditions. The church is here to make me comfortable. My guess is that most of you wouldn't say it that way, wouldn't think it that way. But are there seeds in your heart that may lead you towards a consumer mentality of the church? Number two, the devil would love for God's church to become inward focused. And this is a super easy temptation because it's subtle and it's tricky. One of the things that the devil does, he takes something that isn't bad, that might actually even be good, and he tries to make it our focus instead of the great thing that God wants us to do. For example, we do have a responsibility as Christians to care for one another. That's a biblical responsibility. We have a responsibility to help one another grow to be more like Jesus. And so the programs and the ministries that we have as a church are good things. Our children's ministry, our youth ministry, nursery, preschool, growth groups, seniors ministries. Those are good things. And they're important. And they serve a purpose. They help us to care for one another, and they help us to grow in our faith. The kids downstairs right now with Danielle, they're learning about how to follow Jesus 
in a way that will speak to them in their age-appropriate context. And that is so important. We shouldn't be getting rid of any of those things. However, we need to focus on those who are outside of our doors. And if any of the programs and ministries that we do within our walls hinder us or take the focus off of sharing Jesus with those outside of our walls, then the devil has tempted us to become inward focused. We need to be very careful about that. Because we live in a community. You live in a neighborhood. You work with people who may not know the love of Jesus Christ. And if we, as a church, stop, and I'm not planning on it, I hope you aren't either, but if we ever stop sharing the love of God with our community, then all the good inward-focused programs mean nothing. Because we've lost the message of Jesus. Number three. The devil would love for us to become complacent. He might plant the idea in your mind or in your head that we've done enough. And again, this is a really easy temptation. We can look around this room, we can see our church is stable compared to a lot of smaller rural churches that are dying that are having to have those hard conversations about when are we going to turn off the lights and close the door for the last time? We don't have to have those conversations. We're having the opposite conversations. So our church is stable. And that's exciting. We got lots of people here, and there's a lot of people who are away today. There are tons of kids downstairs. There's excitement. There's energy. Our budget is in the black. We have a good reputation in the community. Isn't that enough? Can't we now sit back and relax? Can't we just relax in the fact that we've done a good job? And maybe that's all that God wants us to do. Unfortunately, these temptations are really easy to succumb to. The devil's tricky, as I said before. He knows that if the devil were to try to get you to worship a statue made of metal or bronze or or, or wood or something like that, very easily you'd go, well, uh uh-uh, no way, I worship one God only. I don't worship an idol here. Like, that's an easy temptation to be like, no, sorry, I'm not going to worship that idol. If the devil tried to get us as a church to throw out the Bible and to preach from Times Magazine instead, of course you'd laugh me out, right? You'd say, no, that's not what we're about. We are about what we find in Scripture. That is where we put our hope. That's an easy temptation to run away from. And the devil knows that. And so instead of these big, grandiose idols that he might want us to fall into. Instead, he plays a much more subtle game. He uses our tiredness and our comfort and our self-centeredness and our apathy 
to slowly move churches away from their calling. And friends, we need to fight against that. We need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and his vision for our church in our community. Proverbs 29.18 says this in the King James, Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I really like how it was translated in a kind of more contemporary translation. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. It's a good image, right? If we can't see what God's doing, we're just going to stumble and fall. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Unfortunately, as many leaders have discovered, vision leaks. It's kind of like trying to keep filling a bucket that has holes in the bottom. Vision leaks. It needs to be pointed back to time and time and time and time and time again. Bill Hybel said it this way. You have to tell people where to focus over and over and over again. And just when you think that they are getting tired of hearing it, you have to say it once again. And so we're going to go back to some of the basics this summer. And for many of you, for myself as well, these are things that we as a church had to work through and had to talk through seven, six, five years ago. But as we've seen, when people put up their hands of who wasn't here five years ago, and frankly, for those of us who can't remember five years ago, (laughs) we need to go back. A lot of the things that we're going to be talking about this summer, you may go, duh, Brian, I know this. Don't worry, the people six, seven, five years ago were saying, duh, Brian, we know this. But it's good to keep it fresh in our minds and in our memories. Because what's in our memories, what's in our minds, if there's scripture in there, that is how we will move forward as a church. And so, let me share with you some of the ways that we need to combat these temptations. Number one, we need to move from consumer to a commitment mentality. Move from a consumer to a commitment mentality. The church gathered... The church is meant to support you in your walk with Jesus. Absolutely true. We are meant to support one another in our walk with Jesus. The church is not meant to do your walk with Jesus for you. We cannot pick you up and move you to where Jesus wants you to be. You need to take the steps. And we can encourage you, and we can support you, and we can cheer you on, and we can equip you to move. But unless you're willing to follow Jesus, we can't do that for you. The church is not meant to walk with Jesus for you. We organize growth groups for you to be part of, but we can't read the Bible for you. We may facilitate kids' programs and youth programs, but if... Those aren't valued at home. That sends a real confusing message to kids. Yes, the church is meant to love and support one another. But you are also meant to love and support one another as well. We should, as a church, we should have to turn away volunteers. 
not simply look for warm bodies to serve in different ways. As some of you know, I was at a conference a few weeks ago. One of the speakers, he was talking about how life has changed and how we as a church need to understand some of the changes. And one of the examples that he gave was this. 30 years ago, there was a survey done where it's, it talked about how people who classified themselves as Christians, as Christ followers, attended church three out of four Sundays a month. That's about three times a month. Recognizing that people get sick, that people are on vacation, those kind of things, that, that's understandable. A few years ago, they did the similar poll, and again, those who consider themselves Christians, Christ followers, attended church one in four Sundays a month. And the speaker was trying to explain that this is kind of the new normal. And so when he does a series, like we do series here at Chalmers, one of the things he does is that he, he assumes that people weren't here for the last week. And so he starts by reiterating what he said. Now, I think that that's completely understandable for him to go in that way. But I also think that we as the church, together, we need to be encouraging one another to grow in commitment. And we need to be encouraging one another to see large group worship together in community as a priority. Instead of seeing the statistics and saying, okay, well, I guess everyone, you're allowed to just come once a month then, because the stats show it, right? Instead of saying that, maybe we should say, hey, we as Christians, we need to value our time together. We need to value coming together as Christ followers and worshiping God together. We need to see our time together, if it's Sunday morning, Sunday mornings, to see that time as valuable. And we need to be teaching our children that this is the norm. And recognizing that if you're sick, you're not going to be here. And if you're on vacation, you're not going to be here. And that's absolutely fine. But the problem is that if we embrace a one in four Sunday mentality, then you wake up on Sunday morning and you say, I wonder if I should go to church today or not. And I will guarantee you that if you allow yourself that question, if you wake up and you say, well, I, I could do that or I couldn't, chances are you probably won't. I got to tell you, if I had that, if I said, well, I wonder if I'll go to church or not, probably I could find a whole lot of other things that would tempt me to not come to church. It's totally easy. It's completely easy to do that. And so uh, as a family, when we're away, and we're going to be away for two weeks, a couple weeks uh, from now, but when we're away, our kids know that we go to church. And if it's not here at Chalmers, it's going to be somewhere else. Because we value fellowship with other people. We value worshiping community. And we're trying to instill that and impress that on our children. So that when they grow up, they know that that is important. And so many of you grew up in that way as well. Now that was a complete tangent and a bit of a rant. Sorry about that. But we need to move 
from a consumeristic mentality to a commitment mentality. Number two, from inward to outward. William Temple once wrote that the church is the only society that exists for the benefit of non-members. The church is the only society that exists for the benefit of non-members. I'm not sure if that's entirely true anymore, but, but it definitely puts out an understanding that the church is not meant just to benefit those within its walls. The church is actually here for our community. We have been given a message of good news to share. God's love for us expressed on the cross of Jesus Christ is good news that we must share with our community. One person said it this way, the church is a lot like manure. Wait for it. Spread it around and it works well. But keep it piled up and it just stinks. And I think that's true. We come together for encouragement. We worship together to learn together, to encourage one another, to support one another. But then we need to disperse and permeate our community with the love of God in Jesus Christ. With the fragrance of the good news. Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. Whether you know your ancient geography or not, that's kind of like a ripple effect, where you put a a pebble in a pond and it just ripples out. And that's what we're supposed to be. We come together, but then we go. We are to go out to be in our community to make ripples for the kingdom of God. We have just worked through a series called Mission Bells where we've talked about living questionable lives so that we can share our stories of God's love with others. We can't be Mission Bells if we just stay huddled together in a holy huddle. We need to go out. Number three, from complacent to adventurous. From complacent to adventurous. Psalm 16, verse 11 says this. Lord, you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Life with God in control is never boring. Let me say that again. Life with God in control is never boring. If you are bored in your faith, you are doing it wrong. If you're bored in your faith, you are doing it wrong. Read through the book of Acts. A book that depicts the early church and how they lived and tell me that that was boring. Read through the Gospel of Mark, one of the biographies of Jesus, and tell me that his life was boring. And yet, we often settle for complacent faith. Imagine placing your life in the book of Acts. Would it fit? Think about it. Acts. Acts chapter 2. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled in awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Flip the page. Meanwhile, John went to church on Sunday because it was what he always did. And then he went home and he was a good citizen. Something just doesn't jive. Our life with Jesus in control should be anything but boring. We're not meant to be complacent in our faith. Shane Claiborne, an author and Christian activist, said this, The more I get to know Jesus, the more trouble he seems to get me into. He continues, I know there are people out there who say, my life was such a mess, I was drinking and partying and sleeping around, then I met Jesus, and my whole life came together. God bless those people, he says. But for me, I had it all together. I used to be cool. I was prom king, for heaven's sake. (laughs) Then I met Jesus, and he wrecked my life. The more I read the gospel, the more it messed me up turning everything I believed in, valued, and hoped for upside down. And I am still recovering from my conversion. Friends, Jesus should wreck our lives. He should shake up everything that we want to be in control of when we give him control. And we've heard of stories of different people within this congregation that Jesus is just shaking up because they have surrendered their lives to him. And that is an amazing, amazing thing. And we will hear more about that in future weeks. Some of you were wondering what this was and why it was here. This could be a few different things. It could be Alice the Camel. It could be a graph depicting the Old Testament and how the Israelites were in their relationship with God, where they were close to God and they loved God, and then a new generation came, and they didn't know God, and they did evil in his sight. And then God sent a leader to lead them back to God, and then they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they went back down. Seriously, it's like a yo-yo If you read through books of Kings and Chronicles and Judges, it's absolutely crazy. It could be like that. I drew these squiggles today because this can also represent the natural way that a church operates. And we hear people talk about this, where there was a, a golden years where everything was exciting and fresh, People were alive for God. But you know things come in cycles. And then people died and people left. And about here, the church says, we need to do something different. And so they did. And they came back and God blessed them. 
It was another golden time. But again, things happen and don't happen. And they go down. And there are some people, I know, I've heard people and people have talked to me about this that say, you know, things just come in cycles. And yeah, you know what, right now we have a lot of kids and right now we have a lot of energy, but we're just at that up cycle of the life of the church. The problem is that what usually happens is that you kind of go up and then you go down just a little further and then you go up just not so as high and then you keep going down a little bit further until finally you can't get out of that downward swing. The challenge is that as a church, we're climbing. And you think, well, why is that a challenge? Because the challenge is when you're, when you're climbing, if you ever go on roller coasters and you go up those like, great steep things and you go, I know there's going to be a drop. I know there's going to be a drop. <laughs> That's what I'm like. We faced some of those times as a church. And now we're growing and there's a lot of things that we need to be talking about as a church. But for some of you, you're kind of holding on to those handlebars, thinking it's going to drop soon. It's going to drop soon. When's the drop going to come? Because I've, I've experienced that before, and it's, it hasn't been fun. I don't like roller coasters. And the fact is that when we get to a spot here, if we fall into those temptations to drift away from God, if we fall into the temptations in the rise here, to say, we can be a little complacent because everything's good. We can be a little inward focused. We can become consumeristic. Then exactly what's happened before will continue to happen. Or we can recognize the temptations. We can recognize the temptations for what they are. We can say, Devil, you're not going to have a hold on my church. Because God has a plan for us. And God's will for our church is to reach the community for him. For lives to be changed for him. For lives within and without to be transformed. And so I'm going to choose to recognize the temptation We as a church are going to choose to recognize the temptation. And we're going to keep our eyes focused on God. We're going to get off the roller coaster. And we're going to allow God to do what he wants in our church for his purposes. Because after all, he is the head of the church. He is the king. He is the president. He is the one who should be making the decisions. And we recognize that. We see ourselves and we say, well, we're not a democracy, we're a theocracy. Christ is the head. He is the one in charge. And as a congregation, we're congregational. We're, we're a congregational model church. That means that as a church, we need to be on our knees. We need to be praying. We need to be asking God, what do you want? And how can we follow you? Friends, we have a lot of decisions to make in the next half year. There are forks in the road ahead of us. As some of you have heard in our uh, congregational meeting in June, our denomination, the Congregational Christian Churches in Canada, is not in a really healthy place financially and in, in other systemic problems. And those are problems that need to be addressed in order to bring back health. 
And that means that as a church, we have a decision to make in what our role is going to be in making those changes. Are we going to be agents of change in the four seas? Or is the season with the four seas over and we need to move on to something else that that God has in, in plan? This is a major issue and the ramifications are great. And we know that there are people here who have different opinions on this. I recognize that. We're people, we all, we all have opinions. But we need to get past our opinions, get on our knees and ask God, what do you want us to do? All around us, there are churches that are shrinking and closing, especially in rural areas. And yet we know that Jesus died for those who live in rural areas as well as in the city. There are major gaps that the larger church now needs to fill. And we need to be asking ourselves, what role do we play in reaching the lost in our community and in other communities? Again, this is a major question that we need to be asking, but not asking ourselves. We need to be asking God. Uh, one, One final third example is that if you've been here for a little while, you will have heard at least rumors or, or full-on blown conversations about our building. The growth that we have seen and are expecting to see in the future years has made us think about our space issues. Our nursery and our preschool are bursting, and yet we don't currently have adequate space for them. Do we build onto this building? Do we rent a space somewhere else? Do we build a whole new building? Or do we send people away? Again, this is a question that we need God's direction in. Each and every one of these decisions are church-splitting decisions. Let me say that very clearly. Each one of these decisions are big enough to split churches. And if we come to any of them with our own thoughts and our own preferences, and we try to win We try to get our way. We succumb to the temptation of being consumers. We will lose. We will lose as a church. The kingdom of God will lose. That's not something that I don't think, I think anyone here would like to be part of. We need to bathe these and many other decisions in prayer. And so, for the next five weeks, we will be looking at refocusing on the mission of the church and how we can do that at Chalmers. As well, starting in August, on August 8th until September 26th, we are going to be taking eight weeks of prayer on at least Tuesday evenings and maybe another day as well. But on Tuesday evenings, starting in August... For two months, we will worship and we will pray together with the main purpose of those events, of hearing from God what his vision for us is as a church moving forward. So those are two things that you can put on your calendar, this sermon series, as well as those prayer times. We'll talk about them more uh, as we move forward. But these are important things. And as a church, I know that you want to hear from God. And we need to facilitate that, and we need to do that well, so that whatever decisions we make in the future, we may say, you know what, I might have done that differently. 
that's not exactly what I would have preferred. I would have preferred doing the sermon series that I had thought about and planned about. That would have been much more comfortable for me. But I believe that following God is much more important. And I know that you do as well. So let's do that together this summer into the fall as we seek his will for us as a church.